On your journey through life, you are the hero. There are times, however, when it is beneficial to have an advisor to guide you along your path. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with Brent Mikosh, Certified Financial Planner, Certified Investment Management Analyst, and Co-Founder of MP Advisors, LLC. In this podcast, Brent discusses some of the most important and interesting topics of the day as they relate to finance, the economy, and beyond. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smart Money Simplified Podcast with your host, Brent Mikosh. Brent, good to be with you. I can't wait to hear what you got on the table for this episode today. I'm excited. You know, there's certain people that you meet in the world that you feel an instant connection with, and Mark Fujiwara is one of those guys. Uh, Mark is in my business. He's a director over at Baird. Uh, he's over in the Silicon Valley area. He also does a lot of other stuff. He's a strategic investor in over a dozen companies himself. himself. He's an international speaker. He recently spoke with the Private Wealth Reset at Oxford Union in England. And this guy was actually just recently in a movie called Big Stages about followed a number of people that were overcoming a fear of public speaking and followed that all the way through the end. But I think more importantly, one of the reasons I wanted to have Mark on today is when we were introduced to each other, you know that there's sometimes there's just people that you have that initial conversation and it goes so deep right away that you you kind of get to the essence past all the 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 smoke screens and the games and everything else and you really feel like you you connected with that person. Mark was definitely for me one of those guys and it, it made it abundantly clear to me why he's achieved the success in, in his industry that he has and why he's also delivering a message I think that is way more powerful than just personal finances and buying and selling companies and all the stuff that we do in the financial world. So with that, Mark, thanks for taking some time. I know you're extremely busy to talk with Bill and I today. What I missed in terms of the intro, I missed a lot, but how would you like to introduce yourself to our guests that are listening to this? Well, first of all, Brent and Bill, honored to be, be on here today. Brent, what you just said about it's almost, I, I felt the same way with you and it's not by chance. It's just, I feel like, especially in our business, Brent, I don't meet financial professionals usually where we just go deep right away and where I have that high level of trust, that mutual trust and respect of each other. But I think both of us were arriving, showing up in the same manner. And it again, it doesn't happen to me too, where I think within the first few minutes, it was just like, I felt like I was talking to a long lost friend, like a long lost close friend, actually, who I could tell anything to. So um, you didn't miss much in, in the intro, but I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to mention that to you. Well, I think one of the things that, that at least I initially re immediately picked up on is that you're a real open book. I mean, you're not holding anything back in terms of describing who you are, what you're trying to do. And you've got a real passion around mental health and resilience. And we've got a lot of things I want to cover with you today, but let's start with that. Why has that become something that is such a, an important topic and an issue for you to address? Yeah, mental health and resilience, you're absolutely correct. I've, I've, I've suffered from mental health struggles all my life. Ever since I can remember, I've felt the, the press, uh, suicide ideations, anxiety. I had a massive panic attack at the age of 23 which has really impacted me in terms of um, speaking in public, actually, which I love to do because I love teaching and impacting until, you know, just recently. And that's pretty much what the movie is about. 33 years ago, I had a cousin, uh, Carson, five years younger than me. She's like a little brother of mine. And uh, I got the call that he took his own life. 
And what happened on that call, I think, is what's really shaped my mission in terms of destigmatizing mental health and supporting others around me is when my dad told me the news, he said, I want you to do a couple things. One is not blame yourself, but number two is, is find a way to honor his life. Find a way to honor Carson's life. Find some good out of this. You know, that old saying life happens. Life doesn't happen to us. Life happens for us. And so since that time, by the way, I didn't tell a soul about my mental health struggles until I did a hundred days out of my comfort zone challenge uh, with a business coach when I was just spiraling massively downhill. And that's when I started talking. I told my cousin and then she told me that she had the same struggles. And I always thought of, I still think she's a strong woman, but I always thought, oh, there's no way she would have the same struggles I do. And and you're absolutely right, Brent. And I it, it hasn't been like that my entire life to to get vulnerable. I used to even say, even though I've donated thousands of thousands of dollars to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, when clients would ask me, you know, we have those conversations, what's your cause to the client? And then they ask us, what's what's our cause? I would say, oh, it's multiple things. Or I'm, I'm like you, American, you know, Cancer Society or whatever, or just not and, and never, ever say mental health because I, I feared this is a, from from the stigmatization is that they would not want to do business with me if they thought I wasn't, I had all these mental health struggles. So what I've discovered though, that if I'm not vulnerable, if I, if I'm not vulnerable, I'm not telling the truth. So if somebody asks me, you know, what my cause is, I'm proud to say it. And they will usually ask why I'll tell you everything there is. Now I've noticed also conversations where I will, I will be an open book to the, those people. I was an open book to you. It's those types of people who are genuinely curious. We're curious about each other. And we don't, we don't want to know the surface stuff, like what, what your favorite football team is. We really want to know who you are. And I think one of the big things that we've talked about, Brent, is that I tend to, if, if there's a client that comes through my office, I don't ever say, hey, let's take a look at your statements, right? Let's talk to me about your asset allocation. Talk to me about your money, your investments. It's generally one to two questions. It's, hey, how are you really doing today? How are you really doing today? And, and, and usually the other question is, you know, tell me about, so they're selling a business. Just tell me about your world. Tell me about your business. Tell me about what's happening. What's, what's, what's keeping you up at night? And, and those are the conversations where we start off on this deeper level. One of my best friends sold a company for hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's how we started our relationship. It wasn't about the hundreds of millions of dollars. We didn't even talk about that, right? It was about, hey, you exit this company. How are you doing? How are you really doing? Because I know plenty of exited founders who suffer... That's trauma for them and the mental health gets spiraled. Now, if I didn't start the conversation like that, if I started the conversation, hey, I hear you have a bunch of money in the bank, I'd like to manage it for you, that it would have gone much differently. And I probably wouldn't be a friend of his, right? But but I told him he wanted to share, he wanted me to share about my charity. You know, this is the type of guy he is. He's, I want to hear every part of your story. You're in a safe place. So I started to share my story. And then in turn, he got vulnerable with me. 
It's the, the makings of a very tight friendship right off the bat. So we talk about mental health stuff all the time. And here's, here's the bottom line. If I get vulnerable and they get vulnerable, that potentially can save a life. Yeah, and I think there's, there's an enormous there's an enormous amount of power that comes with that too, because I do believe that so much of what we're consuming online is not real. And if someone's having a struggle, which everyone does in some capacity, I mean, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, one of the great books, everybody's got the pain box and they're going to fill it. So everybody's dealing with something, but you go on the Facebook, you go on Instagram and everybody, you know, they're leading these perfect lives and they're trying to put that out there. And, you know, I learned a very valuable lesson from my wife who works over at Mayo Clinic. And she told me this in the context of, of speaking to people that who, who themselves or a family member might be undergoing a significant health event. She sees it obviously all the time through her position. She says, everyone asks, you know, how are you doing? And they're going to say good. That's not the right answer because they're not good. There's a stage four cancer or there's a, you know, you name the issue that might occur. The, the bigger question is, is, how can I help? What's happening with you? Which is exactly yep. what you said. Exactly what you said. Yep. And, and so many people are hungry for that because, you know, our, our society and culture has probably always been this way. We just now have the vehicles and the tools to, to express this. But it's put, turn the camera around, look at me, look at me, look at me. And when you can finally interact with somebody and share a bit of yourself and, and learn more about them. I think, I think it's, it's, it's a way to, to build those relationships extremely, extremely quickly. No question about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell me about, I'm really, we talked about this a little offline, but I want to share it with our listeners. The hundred day challenge. Mm -hmm. What got you to that point and what, what it was like dealing with that, with that hundred days and that experience and what the lessons were learned coming out of that. Okay. So there's a happy ending to this story. So, so I just want to tell you that. So I had gotten a divorce in uh, 2014 and two kids at the time. And I, I kind of swept all the emotions under the rug because I needed to show up for my kids. And then a couple of years after that, I just was, I felt I was spiraling. That's when the PTSD was coming into play. Um, and that's when the depression was getting out of hand and anxiety. You know, I knew I, I had a problem when um, one day I was feeling so anxious and just so sad, traumatized that I went for a run and I said, I'm going to not stop running until I don't feel these feelings anymore. And I ran for just over 32 miles. And that was a problem. I, uh, I had probably the most suicide ideations at, in, in this moment. And, um, I was starting things out, um, which got you know, looking back got really scary. And I then, um, had a, had a call with a business, with my business coach. Right. And so I said, well, let's put this on hold. <laughs> I got to talk to my business coach. And so I told my business coach, not exactly that I was, you know, thinking about suicide, but mainly that I was struggling and she could catch on to it. You know, I've just said, everything is just at a standstill. Business is not going well. I'm just, I feel stuck. And okay, so I said, here's kind of yeah, one yeah, question on that. So had you not reached out to your business coach at that period of time, let's say that back then uh, you and I just met each other and it was, would I have looked at you and said, this guy's got it together. Everything's, you're a successful guy. You, you're, you're in a great business. You can actually, the fact you can take your body and go run 30 miles shows you're physically in great shape. From the outside looking in at that moment, I'd be like, 
Mark's great, man. I don't have to worry about him. That's a phenomenal question because, and I, I've done talks on this too, which is um, whenever I ask somebody, give me three words to describe me. You know, I've asked my kids this. I've asked the, my, my, the friends of my kids. I've asked people, friends, family. And, and, you know, it's interesting. There's always a common theme, you know, and the words typically are positive, joyful, happy, energetic, you know, not like solemn, you know, not depressed. Right. And so I'm that guy that comes into the room and they're like, wow, he's the happiest guy in the world. But when you have depression and when there's a stigmatization, especially coming from my cultures, you need to overdo that happiness, overdo that happiness. And so you, you get to be really good. So yeah, Brent, if, if, if we had just met, you would have been just like, no, there's no way, right? There's absolutely no way that I would think, you know, you can line me up in a room of a hundred people that you know, and you'd be like, Mark's at the very bottom of the list in terms of having depression. So it's a great point. Great question that you made. Um, yeah, I, I got on the call and there's a guy named Ja Jung who I'd sp spoken in our mastermind group and he did these hundred days of rejection. He was kind of in that same downward spiral as me. And so he went out and for a hundred days, he went out and got, it's, it's a phenomenal Ted talk too. Um, so Ja inspired me and I told my coach, I said, I want to do, cause she saw him too. I said, I want to do what Ja did, but not rejection. I need to get out of my comfort zone. And she goes, okay, that's, that's great. And I remember, cause I, I, went to Starbucks, I drank a big coffee and I just wrote down all the different ways I can get out of my comfort zone. And so I was going from one to a hundred. In fact, one to 150, because a lot of those started to become outside my comfort zone that seemed uncomfortable before you just kind of stretch it. And I'm like, Whoa, this is really cool. You know, I ended up like not only running a marathon, but actually running it so fast that I qualified and I actually ran Boston and, um, found my wife because I was dating women in, in this little small age range. So 10 years younger. And then this is interesting because like number five on that list was tell somebody about my mental health struggles. Tell a family member, I think is, is what it, what it read. And I would look at number five every single day and we're, we're getting into the nineties here. I think we're at 94, 95. And I'm like, I got to do this. This is the most uncomfortable one. If I don't do it now, I, 100 days isn't going to go over and I'll just forget about it. So I called my cousin Gail. Gail's like amazingly strong. And um, yeah, she, she as, I, as I mentioned um, to you, Brent, what was so surprising was that I told her everything. And then she said, you know, all those mental health struggles you have with the depression, anxiety and panic attacks. And she actually, I think, shook a bottle of, of pills like this over the phone. And she says, I carry that at all times because I have severe anxiety. And so it was just this, this cloud that lifted over me. And then I remember I had a client meeting a couple of days after, and then that time came, what is your cause? And I said, you know, what my cause is my cause is mental health, suicide prevention. I've donated a ton of money to the American foundation of suicide prevention. Cause my cousin was like a little brother of mine died from suicide. And I, I too struggle from mental health struggles. And this conversation, I'll never forget it. This 
client was a prospect at the time. This prospect opened up to me like no other. And it allowed me because he kept saying, oh, I need this big amount of money. I need this $20 million. I need to sell my company for 20 million because I'm figuring out the taxes. And uh, this is the amount of money. And I'm, I'm puzzled by the fact that uh, why do you need all this money when you're kids are self-sufficient and you and your wife don't spend that much money. What's, what's behind this? He goes, I just need the security. What it came down to is he had a family member. He had a family member that he was, he was uh, caring for in a way where he, he'd go over there and just kind of make sure everything's okay. But he would, he had this fear that if he died, that family member mm-hmm. who had mental health struggles would, 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 hurt himself would end his own life or or he would not get the care that is that his brother could provide and so then it was like well you know <laughs> brent you you know how our minds work right it's like sell the company now and we'll just buy an insurance policy on you and it was like this 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 cloud is lifted because he had never told anyone that he you know it was just like i need this sum of money i need to sell my company for this much he had it stuck in his head and so, yeah, he sold the company a lot earlier and got to spend more time with his family. But that was like the opening of just, you know, as you mentioned, just being vulnerable and telling the truth. Now, when you first started you know, being more comfortable sharing, sharing what you're feeling, and I think there's two parts to my question. First, in the people that I've met that are high achievers, I think in many cases can be a little bit more prone to depression and anxiety. First question to you is why do you think that is? And secondly, or if you if second is do you agree with that? So I guess we could start with question number two. Do you think that's true? And if so, why? Absolutely hundred percent think it's true. I think out of the population, the the high achieving, especially, you know, high achieving entrepreneur, maybe. Well, let's just put it in the high achieving spot. <clears throat> I feel because, you know, I'm a high achiever, you're a high achiever, we're all high, high achievers on this call. What happens what happens is that high achiever will start to rise. Well, they'll start to rise. As you rise, as you probably noted, that when you rise, people don't want to rise. People don't want to rise with you. So it gets lonely. The other thing that high achievers, the um, assumption that others have on high achievers is that they make a lot of money and they feel like, you know, I, I'm much more likely to share with another high achiever about mental health struggles because there still is a, a stigmatization of approaching someone that is not a high achiever and just kind of likes being, you know, on cruise control and saying that, oh man, I'm, 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 I'm going through some depression here. You know, my mom is, is, is in the hospital and, oh, I just, I'm spiraling. And they would, they would not really get me. So I feel there's a loneliness factor. There's also with high achievers and, and, and specifically high achieving entrepreneurs, you have a lot of ups and downs. You have a lot of uncertainties and uncertainty, uncertainty utilize, usually, usually can cause it's like a traumatic experience. And I'm a big believer in trauma as magnifies mental health struggles. 
trauma will magnify. So there's a lot of traumas. There's a lot of highs. There's a lot of lows. And again, that leads to more loneliness. Yeah, you, you touched on money a little bit. And, and as a person that is an advocate toward having more of it than less significantly, because what money does buy you, it buys you optionality. It buys you maybe a way to, to, to get some other help that you might not, not have been able to do in the past, whether it's medical or with your business or whatever. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of money. But I think in our culture and our society, <clears throat> we've made it, if you ask the average person on the street, you have this amount of money and it's different for everybody what it is. That will make me happy. And the answer is it really won't. You know, it it, it will amplify personality go. traits, both good and bad. The, the, the more altruistic and the, the better angels on one shoulder are definitely going to be amp amplified. If you can't control them, the devils on the other shoulder are, are going to run wild if they have that if they have that, that kind of money. And so I think that for that for entrepreneurs or people that have that have built their business to a point where they can sell it. Two things have happened. First, now they've got this thing that they thought was of vital importance that was going to answer all the questions of the world for them, and they realize it doesn't. And then it leaves you the question, what now? You know. And mm -hmm. then to your point, the trauma it took to get there is you don't forget that. And and there's you ha there has to be a way to to sort of integrate all that to 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 a point where you can be healthy with it, and also a way to redirect your creative energy towards something else. Because in many cases, these people are incredibly creative. No, absolutely. Um, you know, you touched upon something which has been, you know, after, you know, after my buddy came to me, you know, we had met and we developed this deep relationship. It, you know, it's almost that manifestation serendipity where a lot of the exited entrepreneurs would just kind of show up. You know, I was in a mini mastermind and they were all exited entrepreneurs. And there's one actually that had not exited yet, uh, co-founder of a billion dollar company. And in that room, I just started to share my experience with, you know, not the money guy from the exit entrepreneur, but more <clears throat> of just the support and, you know, mental health and, you know, per finding, finding another purpose, identity. And, and they all said the same thing, which was, you know, and, and we're talking about like upwards of, I think a couple hundred million, they all kind of said the same thing. And the, the thing was, is that, like people understand, people don't understand us and all thought the same thing, which was that number that they were receiving. Oh man, I, I'm going to be so happy. And it's almost like that's what leads to deterioration of your mental health is the fact that it isn't happy. Um, other things mentioned, friend, you know, the friends kind of treat you differently, right? Well, you got all this money now, so you got to pay or whatever, or just, they don't know how to approach them. Right. And now this exit entrepreneur is like, do you think I'm going to tell those friends that I'm thinking about ending my life? Right. Or that I'm just awake at night with all this anxiety and that I don't have a purpose. They'll say boohoo. Right. The uh, instantly the, the gentleman that did not had not sold his company yet, not sold this company yet, confided in me and said, the reason I'm not selling my company is that I thought about what it would be like for to, to be on the other side. And you see it here. I've seen it with my friends and I'm actually a little bit fearful. So he's getting, he's getting offers, but it's not the offer is to like get the heck out of your company or just kind of being on the sideline right here. 
And I thought that was fascinating because yes, you're absolutely right, Brent. It's, it's, it's a tra- traumatic experience throughout. And it's also a traumatic experience when you exit and add more, adds more to your loneliness and think about it. You've, 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 you've been on this path for 10, 20, 30 years and your whole identity is right here and your whole purpose is right here. And all of a sudden, you might still be on the board or you might still be, you know, a consultant to the company, but that identity and that purpose is, is, is stripped away because once you start doing your thing, whatever it is, it's like, Oh, I'm going to golf all day. Right. That gets old very quickly. Right. That gets super old. You know, I had a client actually that he, he said, I'm going to join the, the senior PGA tour. You just, turned 50 actually and he would go a couple times a week or a couple times a day actually and he 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 discovered something that all his friends were still working right (laughs) and it got really lonely so bad that he had a condition which is caused by stress that took him out of the game for a year and a half wow yeah it's real and, and what you learn too is, is whether, you know, people at a high level are leaving the corporate world or they've sold their business or they've, they've made an exit. You, you do realize that in the business world, every single person is expendable. Everybody, you know, you might, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, when I, when I left the, when I left the floor of the New York stock exchange, I remember, you know, the day I, I, I let the, the partners know that I was going to go, I, I'd given them my two weeks notice and, and I did the whole brand I'm leaving tour <laughs> for the course of the next, uh, five or six hours. And I went back to the guy that was ran the floor at the time. And I said, I can't do this again. I got to leave tomorrow because you knew that you, you had a sense and many of these people, unfortunately I'm still close with, but you had a sense. It's like, you're going to walk out that door and this thing you've dedicated at that time, 10 years of my life to, you know, yeah. the, the beat move, the beat goes on. No, nobody is, nobody is, you know, everything as it should, everything's going to find a way to continue. Now, let me ask you this. Let's talk about the movie. And let's talk about the genesis oh, yeah. of, of the movie that, uh, that was just released, I believe, three days ago, correct? You had your premiere in Hollywood. Tell me about the movie. Oh, first off, I, I want to follow up on your point there. Greatest coach in the world. The greatest coach, I think, overall, Vincent Lombardi, Nick Saban. Greatest coach, Nick yeah. Saban, got replaced awesome. in 48 hours. 48 yeah. hours, they yeah. found a replacement. So, okay, so the movie... Um, <laughs> yeah big stages so this all started when i started to 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 get my you know remove the anxiety and the panic attacks from speaking to just like i get up there and slay the dragon so i i've started to you know i'm i'm big on goals and i'm big on writing your goals out because that's a way to manifest it not knowing exactly how you're going to get there but it's like every single day, I'll write my goals out. And then one day, a year and a half ago, I wrote down, I want to be featured in a documentary for how I overcame panic attacks panic attacks, and anxiety getting on stage to speaking on big stages around the world because I got an invitation to speak at Oxford, got an invitation to speak at a large group in uh, Long Island. And um, oh, gosh, it was like two or three days later, a really good friend of mine who was like my new speaking coach just called me and said, I don't know if you know this, but I, I was doing a documentary and I, I I was supposed to like end it a year ago. The director keeps telling me to end it. And I said, it's just not complete yet. 
And um, how would you like to be featured in the documentary about overcoming your panic attacks anxiety? And it's like, wow, I just wrote that down. And uh, it's, it's the magic of manifestation. So I became a producer and was featured in it. And it was just this amazing process. So it's, it, it, it goes into the lives of a few speakers and how they've overcome to, to get to the big stages. And they all have some sort of obstacle, some sort of resistance that could have, you know, taken them away and just said, forget it. I'm not going to do that. I'm honored to have share that movie with with my fellow speakers there. So it, it has Trisha Brooke, who's my speaking coach. I feel like the best speaking coach in the world. And it's her helping us crafting our talk and overcoming these stumbling blocks. And what my part which was very important to me, which was the focus was on how I overcame panic attacks and anxiety and also on destigmatizing mental health struggles. Cause we talk a lot about that in the movie and, and Brent, thank you for your support. I know you bought a ticket and um, you, you were, you know, you were far away at the time. So I appreciate <laughs> well, stream it. So and I can stream it. I think next yeah, you month. Can stream it, right? man. Yeah. yeah. So what, what happened out of that was like, I, I did it so because it's all about impact. I want to impact more people. And that was a, an amazing platform to impact as many people. And, you know, I didn't think it was going to do so well. It's won Chelsea. It's won like four major awards. You know, I, I, I can't remember the other three. But the point is, is that um, the, the, the purpose behind that for me was you know, not to get accolades and not to, you know, not to say, Hey, I made a movie, but it's about impact. You know, I, I look and people have come up to me, people that I don't even know. Cause we, we've uh, premiered in Chelsea and premiered in Los Angeles, but there's people that I don't even know that just said, you don't know how that changed my life. You don't know how that changed my life. Just in terms of how you overcame your panic attacks how you overcame and are destigmatizing mental health. And they've opened up to me. And then it's always like, okay, you do like a TED talk or something. You think the people that respond to you by, by comments on your, on your YouTube are the ones that you're impacting. No, there's plenty of others or the people that are watching and how to support others in terms of struggling on mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let, I mean, how, so was did you come up with a formula for how to beat these panic attacks and the anxiety or was yeah, it just, is, or was it just confronting it facing it head on what how'd you do it combination of both actually that's a great question so before i um before i overcame these panic attacks i had a i remember every talk i would do i would either cancel it or i just like pop a couple of benadryl in my system and i remember there was a this was like high school freshmen and sophomores and i was talking to them about why i love my career in private wealth and i remember just being so anxious and i'm like i can't believe i'm throwing two benadryl down my throat right now because i'm so anxious about this so a few years ago uh mel robbins actually you know the mel robbins who i was in her second book i think so i became good friends with her we were in this little community and 
I, I approached her and I said, Mel, how, how did you overcome your fear of public, public speaking? Because I know she's very open about the fact that she has suffered panic attacks. And so it was so impactful. She said, Mark, you're empathetic like me, but you're doing the same thing that I used to do. She says, I bet if I told you, you have to get in, uh, in front of a stage of 200 entrepreneurs, you what's the first thing you think about? Or are you visualizing the talk? What are you visualizing? And I said, I know where you're going with this. I'm visualizing that first massive panic attack I had. She said, that's what I used to do. So I want to, it's going to take a while or it's going to take your mind to make a shift here. I want you to think about the last word you say, the last word you say on that talk, and then everybody's getting up and giving a standing ovation. And I want you to go, a little deeper on that, people are coming up to you, telling that you impacted them. You impacted them. You changed my life. You changed the way I'm going to do business. And really just focus on that. Because, you know, I can tell you, you'll put a lot of work into crafting your talk and making sure that it goes smooth. But as you're thinking about the talk, all I want you to think about is the last word. Kind of like overcoming fear of flying. Don't think about the flight, think about it landing. And then you're going to see your family or you're going on vacation. So I kept on doing that. And this is very interesting because I spoke at um, CEG, CEG Worldwide, mm -hmm. um, which is a bunch of financial advisors. There's about 250 of them. And I actually, I actually signed up for this when I was still having panic attacks. It's an uncomfortable, you know, hundred. And, and, and um, Jonathan Powell said, okay, you're going to be talking. And, you know, I, so I started to craft my talk and, and I, I did what Mel said. And what was interesting is that I saw, I saw, as I visualized a guy on the left side sitting over like this, and he's like laughing and he's like, just like soaking in every word of mine. And then after the talk, he just jumps up and he starts clapping. And I'm also visualizing my friends in the audience too, because I know, knew several people in the group. So I get up there and talk, and I'm, I'm, and again, I'm all I'm doing. I'm in this mode. I'm focusing on the last word that I'm, I'm saying, and I'm, the talk is going well. But a few minutes into the talk, I, I look on the left side, and there's a guy <laughs> in that same spot leaning over, and he's just like he can't get enough. He's about to tip his chair over. That's how far, 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 far much he's leaning in. And again, afterwards, I look over to him and he jumped out of his chair. That's awesome. So that's, awesome. Um, that's, that's how you overcome it. And then what, what happens, Brent and Bill, is that I get up on stage now and it's like, well, the other thing is I have an alter ego. <laughs> it's that guy back there. And um, Kobe, um, I become... I, I, I thought you guys were very, looked a lot alike. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I get that a lot. You know? Like you know, the the brother of the the older brother of Kobe, <laughs> and and I will go into that mode. You know, I get fierce. You know, I want to slay the dragon. That's that's what I think up there. Is like this is this is good. I'm slaying the dragon again. And speaking is one of those like we talk about ikigai. We talk about flow. That's when when I'm in my element. Yeah, yeah, and, and you could touch on Ikigai really quickly because I know that you you mentioned in the past of your culture not necessarily being as open towards expressing some of these mental health or even emotions in general. 
Uh, but yet you've got some terms that you use that are cultural specific to you. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So the, the, on my, on my uh, uh, arm here, this is Ichigo Ichie and this is Ikigai. So Ikigai, yes. Ikigai is when, when you're doing something that, that checks four boxes, when you're doing something you love, something you're great at, something that makes the world a better place, and something that provides your family with capital, this is financial or emotional capital. And that's something my dad always taught me. And this is why I'm in private wealth. And this is why I'm not just doing private wealth. It's because I'm always searching for a higher Ikigai. The other one is very important, which is Ichigo Ichie. Ichigo Ichie is a highest level of presence. Highest level of presence, a maximum appreciation for the moment. Now, what does that mean? It means that right now, as we're talking, I've got oh, five screens. The only one that's open is you guys. It's like a hundred percent present. I'm only thinking about this moment. I'm not thinking about what we have to eat for dinner. And, and, and that's the only way I want to show up, which then becomes so important at five o'clock, which is my time with my four and a half year old daughter, Stella. We have a magic hour. It's just me and her. And, uh, when, when I'm able to, to show up highly present to all of you, and that wraps up into how I can show up to her, which is these magic moments where if I'm feeling like I'm not getting present, I'll focus on like the way she's moving her fingers when she's focusing, mm. right? Or I'm focusing on how long her um, eyelashes are and imperfect they are. And then the last one is Shoki, which simply means showing up as your true self, or your true heart, true soul, true mind. Well, man, I, th I think you do all those things. And like I said, it's only been a few months since we were first introduced, but it's been, it's been a real pleasure for me to, to, to get to know you a little bit. And I look forward to, to continuing that journey. Now, people want to reach you. How do, how do people find you for, for your financial services and planning you, that you do and also all your other stuff? Uh, financial services, um, FujiwaraBear.com. And then um, for anything else, MarkFujiwara.com. Awesome. And LinkedIn too. I think, you know, you're, you're pretty, pretty active up on LinkedIn yeah, anyway. LinkedIn as well. Yeah. I got to get back on there. It's been a busy couple of weeks. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, Hey man, thank you. Thank you for, uh, again, for your authenticity. Thank you for taking time out of what I know is an extremely busy day. And, uh, I look forward to our next conversation. I can't wait to share this one with people. Thank you, Brent honor. And this was very fun. Thank you very much. This was a, a, a really, really great conversation. And, and Mark, listening to you talk reminded me of some things that happened in my past. And I was really, really extremely fortunate when I was in high school because I became part of a volunteer group on a, on a helpline. And mm. um, I had no training in any of this, but, you know, I would work this helpline and I would take phone calls. And I took phone calls from people who were in desperate situations or what they perceived as desperate situations. And so I and, I, and I say I was really fortunate to do this because it gave me an early exposure to the fact that it's like, we are all a bit of a mess inside, if you will. We all have our struggles. We all have our problems and the things that we try to deal with, but we don't talk about it to anybody ever, really. And it was all, it's always struck me as ironic that they would call me an anonymous person they had no idea that I was a high school kid and they would talk to me anonymously about it. And I've thought many, many times throughout my life, and I still struggle with this personally. Now we need to learn to talk about it with people that we know, 
as opposed to people yeah. we don't know. Yeah, and, I, and also I think people people that you can trust and you can trust you can trust their intentions and their advice. Well, I, no, I, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, and and you know, yeah. but it's like it's the idea that it's like I realized early on that lots of people around me had problems and troubles that they weren't showing. It took me a long time for me to be able to reveal to other people, people I trust, people I know, that I too have all, all kinds of troubles. So, Mark, I, 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 that's a long way for me to say thank you for a dedication to this uh, this particular this cause of yours in terms of mental health. Because I think the more we can have a dialogue about it, the further along down the road we're going to be as as people, progressing as people. That's That's what I'm trying to get at. And I think I would add yeah. to that, that, that what you did though too, Mark, is, is you took a massive amount of action and, and, and I, I, everyone is dealing with some level of, you know what, you know, everybody's <laughs> dealing with that. And I think we all, you have to give yourself, this is only my opinion, but I think, I believe you have to give yourself the grace to occasionally maybe take some time and wallow in it a little bit, but you can't live there. You know, you've got like, you, 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 you re first you took action in terms of, being honest, reaching out with your coach. They took massive action in terms of a hundred days of, of the, all these challenges that, that put you way out of your comfort zone. And, and I just think that there's an enormous amount of power in that because there's so many things in our life that we cannot control. We can't even control our own emotional state all the time. But the more that we're willing to, to take some action, and not only that, but maybe not be afraid of it and dive into it, the more you, you gain a certain level of mastery that hopefully by the time we're all you know, said and done on this planet and on to whatever comes next, you know, there's, there's a lot of lessons that have come through that. So, yeah, man, I, I just, I, I think um, what, what you're doing and the message you've got out there is absolutely fantastic. And uh, can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today. Yeah. And, oh. and, and underscoring the action part. I completely agree, Brian. Oh, well, we know how to get all the mark. And I know, I know your, your contact information is in the show notes, Brent, but you know, just really quickly for folks who are listening to this, if they want to reach out to you, how do they get all of you? Yeah, a phone number here at the office is 602-255-0555. Either myself or Andy or Kayla or Susan will pick up the phone. Uh, mpadvisorsaz.com or smartmoneysimplified.com uh, or LinkedIn. Pretty active on LinkedIn. We try to get something up there almost every single day. That's terrific. Thanks again, Mark. Thanks again, Brent. And for those of you who are listening to this podcast, and maybe this is the first time, this is the kind of quality of conversation that you will get with this podcast. So if you are not a subscriber, this is really simple and really easy. Hit the subscribe button and don't miss another episode of this terrific podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Bill Tucker on behalf of, on behalf of Brent and everybody at MP Advisors. I want to thank you and remind you that you can go out today and you can make it a great day or not. It's your choice. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Money Simplified Podcast. Have any questions about topics covered during the show? Visit www.smartmoneysimplified.com or give us a call at 602-255-0555. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated. 
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Incorporated, MP Advisors LLC, is not a broker slash dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services.